0: What happens when a radio broadcaster gets let go from his sports talk job? Well, he tries to figure out what he wants to do next for a career. And in the meantime, joins the 4 million other podcasts on the internet. And the John cast is born. Join me each week as I talk to guests I find interesting or entertaining from the world of sports, play-by-play broadcasting, or whatever else sounds fascinating to me at the moment. The John cast is what I'm doing until I figure out what I'm doing. Subscribe, download, and I hope you learn something along the way. Kostaki, what are you drinking today?
1: Oh, uh, it's 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 very early where I am. I'm having some water in a in a Greek. Do you ever do you know these cups?
0: Is it like playing cards?
1: This is actually a ceramic version of it, but this oh. is the standard go-to paper cup for coffee in New York City. Yeah, it's kind of like the the old Greek uh, the Greek key and everything. Most of the diners in New York are Greek, so it's a it's a kind of an um, homage to that
0: well cheers i've got my uh my yeti coffee cup with some some oat milk and some coffee in there a little bit of sugar okay i switched switched to oat milk recently i like the taste oh okay from what which milk from rice milk or from cow milk from cow milk i was okay cow milk guy and then i was like you know what i'll try the oat milk because somebody at work had it once when I had a job, <laughs> somebody at work had it <laughs> and I tried it once. I'm like, "Ooh, this is delicious. I thought it changed the, the, the flavor profile of the coffee. So I went I went with the oat milk.
1: Oh, OK, good. I've kind of done that with uh, rice milk and cereal and, and that universe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Same thing. Well, my <laughs> guest today on the John cast is comedian Kostaki Econimopolis. You hear him on the Bob and Tom show. He's a regular there. And he's just a funny guy, and I said, you know what? I want to talk to a funny guy at some point. Not that any of my other guests aren't uh, <laughs> funny. I'm not trying to diss anybody else, but you and Finally. I, you and I, we've been able to, um, you know, you were on the the radio show at times uh, that I was a part of before, and I really enjoyed you having on uh, having you on there because you'd always have your NFL jokes. We'd have you on a Monday, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah. So what's new with you, Kostaki? What's going on?
1: Uh, we moved. Uh, you know, we had a crazy. Uh, Everyone had a crazy pandemic, but we kind of we left L.A. for a while and kind of floated around the south visiting uh, uh, the two grandmothers. We got we got a little tiny kid around here, a three year old. So we we took her uh, back to the southeast. And in the last few months, we're back uh, back out west again. We live in Venice, California, and we're right in the meat of football season. So I'm writing jokes and telling jokes like crazy. I, I launched a comedy football brand called All Pro Lines. So I've been keeping my head down, working on that, uh, you know. And, yeah, tell me. now I'm eking back
0: into telling some jokes live. So, you know, life's pretty good. I want to hear some of these uh, standard jokes because there was a major NFL story with John Gruden resigning, air quotes, resigning. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> last night when we were recording this. And so I want to get to those those jokes in, in just a second. But um, I lost my train of thought. But so you were... You moved to California, you're back in California right now. I hear it's crazy during the pandemic in California, like super strict. Is that true?
1: Well, yeah, I think it's all relative and these things vary from place to place. But yeah, as I travel around, you know, when I leave California, I look around and I go, oh, they they don't seem to care as much about masks (laughs) and stuff in this part of the world as they do back where I live. Um, So, yeah, I mean. Obviously those kind of things are very regional. They you know yeah, relatively speaking, we're strict here.
0: <laughs> how has that affected what I mean? How often were you going on, on tour around the country? I'm sure is pretty regular. And how is that how has that world changed for you now?
1: Funny enough, I just did my taxes for 2020 this week. We you know, the the deadline when you when you kick them down the road was this week. So uh it was a weird year. I managed to make some money in radio and from royalties, but I only, I only did stand-up about two and a half months in 2020. Mm. So it was a crazy year. I mean, to to have all that time away from stand-up i really missed it man i really i missed the process and the writing and the trying and the segues and the shaking the hands and the i mean even the rhythms of the road i missed i miss getting a rental car and driving for four hours and just kind of listening to sports radio and thinking about the show and the hotel and the you know so it's been really fun kind of i we 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 really went away from the world for a year or so. So now, I'm kind of back, and it's it's nice to be
0: back. I miss it all. The process. How, how? What is the process like for you? Like, I don't know anything about comedy. Like, when you sit down and you're starting to write a joke, is it just something that comes to your head? Do you write a topic down. How do you? How do you even do that?
1: Well, everybody does it differently. I'm I'm more I'm kind of I'm more from the writer side of the. Spectrum, You know, some guys are messing around on stage and kind of landing on things. I'm, I'm I'm more of a word guy. And, you know, I sit down and work and uh, yeah, I mean, it varies wildly. But this year I did something which I've never done before. I, I sort of backed into it and then I committed. I retired all the jokes from the before times and my act is totally new. Um, which I've never done. And it's exhilarating and terrifying and fantastic and terrible. And uh, it's been really cool. I I've been impressed by how well I've pulled it off and I'm excited about like really getting sinking my teeth into making this hour. Great. You know, it's good, but it's not great yet. It's, it's there's a lot of work left to be done. So yeah, it's, it's the, Uh, it's just it's just takes a while to be to get your teeth into the bits and know where the where the beats are and the segues and the efficiency in the word economy. And, you know, the whole process of kind of throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks is the magic of what of what stand up is. And there are chunks of stuff which I thought were the best chunks when I was in the writing phase, which have proven not to be the best chunks. And there were other chunks that I didn't have as much faith in that have proven to have real legs. And so you go back and you build on the things that are working and you trim the things that aren't. And it's this crazy sort of slow evolution of a, of a thing. It's there's a beauty to it. And I wonder, and it's so hard and when you get it right, it's so exciting. You know, it's it's a little golfish that way. Like, hey, look at that yes. shot. I finally hit one.
0: You know, yes, that's a good that's a great analogy. It is a little bit <laughs> of like golf. You always got to tweak and work and work. And then every once in a while, you'll hit one that felt really good. And you want to come back and, and hit another one. That's right? why you
1: come back. It's that shot. right? That's yeah.
0: right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Um, And I think a lot of people don't realize that. I mean, there there are people that probably think they're funny, but they don't. They don't know what how hard it is to be funny. Like, you know, I mean, there might be people that throw little offliners to their friends or whatever, but being funny is hard.
1: Yeah, that's right. And stand-up funny, especially by the American standard, it's the standard is so high. I mean, we expect a audible gut laugh out loud <laughs> in a room full of strangers every several seconds for an hour. That's a really high bar. It has to be original and it has to be crisp and it has to be relatable and it it has to be like 17 things at the same time. It's just really hard to kind of, to hit that shot, you know, like we said. So when you, when you, when you do it, when you're surfing in the moment and it's real and it's connective and you're having a shared experience with people who are all forgetting about their problems for a while and just connecting and laughing together, man, it's magical. Mm.
0: uh, That's what I love about it. So when did you know that you were funny? You know, it's funny. I I wasn't super funny
1: compared to my friends. Maybe I grew up with funny people. And so by comparison, it didn't really stand out from the pile. Or yeah, I think it's some of that. And also, I'm not, I'm not one of those class clown types. I'm more of a, here's a little comment I kind of throw away. And if you catch it and enjoy it, great. I'm not really in your face being funny in my regular life. I just, I like the, I just always loved up, And so I was fascinated by it and I just studied it enough and worked hard enough at it that I got to be good at it eventually. You mm-hmm. know,
0: I'm stealing this one from my, my eight year old daughter. Um, she said <laughs> I couldn't have her question, but I I'm stealing it anyway. Sorry, Avi. Um, why do you like being a comedian? It's the
1: best job in the world. It's, you know, Uh, The alarm clock never goes off and I'm like, oh, I got to go to work, you know, like it's I it's it's so many of the things that I don't have to do. I'm not stuck in traffic. I don't have to deal with the boss. I'm not in a cubicle. I don't hate the job. I don't hate the situation. And it's so many of my favorite things. It's nighttime. It's travel. It's fun. It's. It's a shared creative experience that's built around fun. You know, it's it's just such a pleasant thing to get to do for a living. You know, and now I've got it's not a huge one, but I have a following. And so when you have people who know you before you start, then you have even more sort of creative freedom and the peaks are higher, and the valleys are higher, and they let you go. You can be edgy or dirty or weird or You know, they, they let you go more places. And so then, and then of course you're working better venues. And so then the whole experience is even better than in the old days. So it's, it's just a pleasure to get to do it. You know, it's, it's fun. And and the kind of people who self-select to go to a room where people are laughing. I mean, those, that's broadly a really cool demo. They're good folks, you know?
0: Yeah. So, okay. So you didn't like that, you know, that alarm clock going off. You didn't want to have that and going to work and everything like that. So when did you start your comedy career? Did you have a a nine to five job before, or did you just straight up say, I'm not even going that route?
1: Well, you know, I've had a zillion jobs, but, but I did, I did avoid sort of a career nine to five. I got into comedy, like as I was basically leaving graduate school. So I was a teaching assistant in grad school. I worked my ass off. That was definitely a job. I was teaching American government to, you know, uh, grade in papers and everything. And of course I, as a younger person, I had all the, you know, I, I, I laid sod boy. The, there's no, nothing will get you focused on getting better grades than laying sod for three <laughs> or four days. You're like, well, I can't do this for a living. This is real work. Yes. Um, I, I did construction. I worked at, Blimpy, I worked at Cracker Barrel. I mean, I've had plenty of jobs and I attempt a lot here and there when I was kind of getting into standup. So I've had a taste of the regular, regular world. But I did. I was lucky enough and I worked hard enough that I kind of I had to turn down a few gigs when I was in graduate school to write papers and work on my thesis. So. I, I, I did make a pretty quick transition. I had about a six, eight month period from finishing grad school to being a full-time comic, you know? Wow. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: by the Uh, way, you know,
1: full time is, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money. I was just out there a lot. You know what I mean?
0: Uh, You you mentioned laying sod and you're like, Oh boy, this is not, I had a job in college uh, where I had to wake up at like five in the morning. And it was summers by the way. And it was at a lumber company where you moved like pieces of lumber onto like some pallet all day long. That's all you did. And I had to wear those shoes with the steel toes. And after (sighs) about a week or two, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is hard work. Like I didn't get into, I don't want to wake up at five in the morning and start lifting things all day long for eight hours a day. So I know what you're saying there is like, so I'll go do radio for 20 years or something. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. (laughs) On the, on the other hand though, those kind of jobs, there's a beauty in them because when you're done, you're done. Yes. Like when you clock out, it's over and you don't have to think about it or do work on anything quietly. This sort of pressure to, keep working at it you like you're when you drive off that lot and the pallet is gone in your rearview mirror there's no pallet anymore like it's over
0: no you're <laughs> right and and so i don't know if you know my background right now i got let go from the sports talk world after 17 right. years the same spot in madison and that is the the most beautiful thing about it was you know what you're talking about it, you don't think about it it's gone like I'm not thinking about the game and the angle and what are we going to say about Aaron Rodgers and this and that it's, it's out, it's done. And I don't. And so my mind has been way more like, okay, you're cool. Kind of like, don't worry about that stuff. And it's, it's very refreshing not to have to have that now. I don't know how long that's right. going to last before I say, hey, let's go do something else. But I know exactly right. what you're talking about, Kostaki. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that as a constr- as a construction worker and the guy, the grown up, I was, a, I was a teenager at the time, but the grown ups around me definitely, those guys worked hard. I mean, the roofers and the yes. y- 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 the bricklayers and the guys that put up the drywall and, and they lived that very kind of it's, there's a beauty in that simple life of like, you work really hard and then you drink four beers and you go on to sort of your after work time Mm -hmm. and you have the weekend and you run around and, you know, and then you're, you know, you're back at the work, work, man, there's, I, you know, there's a beauty in that, but it's also, it wasn't what I wanted forever. You know, I did it for a while, but I was like, I want to do, do a different thing you know? Yeah.
0: And that's something I think a lot of people want, like me and my buddies were talking about that with, with his job. And he's like, you know what I want to do? I want to come home and then I want this thing to shut up and then I put it <laughs> over there and then I go back to work the next day. Like, yeah, but it, but it dev- never happens like that. Cause this thing is always, uh, I hate this thing. What do you think about phones? Kostaki?
1: Yeah. The, you know, it's, it's just the modern version of what humans have always struggled with, which is what we were just saying you know you gotta you gotta have some rest from the worries of the day it's
0: just it's just really good at connecting us back to all that stuff (laughs) (laughs) that's an excellent job um of that um all right so i am wearing my viking shirt by the way today oh how did i miss this you're a vikings fan all this time yeah, you didn't know just because I, I work in Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm, I was born in Minnesota, raised in Minnesota. I was a big Vikings guy. I got to watch them. Oh, OK.
1: So were you quiet about that or was that part of the on air sort of because you're talking Packers all day long, right?
0: Yeah, we're talking. I think we might have <laughs> mentioned it at one point because we had a Falcons fan, a Packers fan and a Vikings fan. It sounds like the start of a joke, okay. right? There, right? Um, yeah, that's
1: right. <laughs> a little bit. Um, and they walked into an Anthony bar. Good night everybody. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so quick. How do you how, how are comedians so quick? How do you is that something that people learn the quick witness?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you get better at that. And the improv stuff, I used to be terrified. I didn't want to do any crowd work. But eventually you, they force you into it. A few, you, you know, sometimes you can't avoid it even if you try to. And then eventually you get better at it and you recognize, like, it's not so scary. You
0: know? How about hecklers? Have you had to deal with hecklers? Does every comedian have to deal with hecklers?
1: Yeah, yes. But how do you handle that? You know, if you, I, most, most hecklers are responding to harsh acts, you know, like a dice clay kind of uh, act gets a lot more hecklers than a guy with my style. So I don't get too many. And even when I do, they're usually just really drunk and well meaning, which, that's not the end of the world. <laughs> I could usually handle that. Okay. Yeah. Here, the trick with hecklers is to just be, to react honestly in the moment, you know, and it releases the tension because everyone else is thinking the same thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So you know, that's the, that's the fun of, of dealing with hecklers.
0: <laughs> right. Um, so I was watching, I was watching Dave Chappelle's latest on Netflix. Ah, um, I forget the name of it already, but I finished it up last night, but here's my point of all this. As I'm watching this, I think a lot of people consider Dave Chappelle like the goat of comedy. Um, he's
1: he's top few for sure.
0: Yeah. So in, you know, in the sports context, we're always talking about goats and this and that. So in your opinion, in Kostaki's opinion, who, who are your favorite comedians of all time?
1: Wow. I mean, for me personally, number one is George Carlin and number two is louis ck i mean this we this we have to do the same thing we do in sports you can separate the man from the player kind of correct. thing correct yep uh, yes yep and then there's like a 50 way tie for there's so many good comics you know Chappelle certainly on the short list and yeah. chris rock and jim gaffigan and Dave Attell and jake johansson and you know i've i've been honored and privileged with meeting and working with most of these guys you know mitch hedberg and I mean Bill Burr and I, there's so many good comics. there's so many different ways to be funny. Sarah Silverman and you know, it's that's what I love about stand-up and there's so many different ways to do it. There's the yeah. Steve Martin and Stephen Wright and there's silly and there's dirty and there's edgy and there's insightful and there's not really a rule. You just have to you just have to wrangle that room into some, fervor of laughter and then you get to come back how you do it is completely up to you you know yes
0: so many different (laughs) ways to make that room start laughing right right. No, i i uh, the george carlin yes that's that's probably is he probably the go for most people most comedians
1: Uh, most comics put him very high on their list yeah a lot of us grew up watching him so part of it's the the moment in time for us and then of course he's ridiculously prolific and his stuff holds up over time. You can go back and listen to something from 30 years ago and it's, it has life and relevance. He he was, he was such a good writer, you know?
0: I was going to say that it holds up that is that, is that something in comedy where sometimes an act doesn't hold up and you're like, Oh, well, this would have been funny in 1990 or something like that.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, we I mentioned Dice, on, you know, as an oh, example, sure. Dice is of that ilk. I mean, it's not that it doesn't have some merit, but when you listen to it now, you kind of go, all right, it doesn't really, it doesn't hold up. But, you know, yeah. there, there are plenty of things. Music's the same way. There are some songs that you loved when you were, you know, 19 and you listen to them now and you're like, what was the, What was that buzz about? Why did I like this song? And other songs you go back to and it just has this, it just... It still works for you. You know,
0: I think that's it's like that with movies a lot too, by the way. Sure. There's a movie yeah. you might have liked in your childhood and you might see it in your 40s and you go, I probably shouldn't have watched that again. I, <laughs> I probably right. should have just kept that memory in my head.
1: I know. I know. And sometimes it's like I heard a, uh, a bare naked ladies song recently the, the, the old apartment. Remember that song?
0: Walked into no, old... yeah,
1: yeah, yep. Yeah. It was a revelation how great that song still is. Mm. I just, that song holds up. So there's an example of one I didn't, I would have never even went to go find again on purpose. And it just like grabbed me by the neck and was like, I'm a good song. Remember me? Like, yes, sir.
0: When I'm listening to songs now, Kostaki, I start thinking, especially with hip hop songs from the nineties, because that's what I listen to a lot. And there's a lot of violence in those lyrics. And I start thinking to myself like, are these guys going to be performing in their sixties and seventies, singing about the like singing their hits? Is that going to be weird? Have you ever thought about rappers? Like I imagine Dre and Snoop getting on the stage at the Emmys in their seventies and eighties if they're lucky enough to be that old. And it's is it going to be? I think it might be weird. I don't know.
1: I you know it's funny. I think we grow up in that like whatever you are, you kind of grow and you you remain that thing, right? Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it's okay and now that we're
1: grown-ups it doesn't seem so weird that that an older guy would still have his essence you know whatever that is totally makes sense to me now I think when I was younger it didn't that wouldn't have made sense to me but I get it now and I've seen enough of these like great comics who are grizzled veterans you know they they're still it's all in there still you know yeah
0: (laughs) yeah um so you got to tell me how did you get involved with the Bob and Tom show How did that happen? I
1: did. I did it the old fashioned way. They're based in Indianapolis and I used to work the club in town and they would have comics. They used to have comics in constantly. I mean, they would, it wasn't unusual for them to have two or three comics on every day. Um, So they would often have the comics in from the local club. Um, And, you know, it was, it was exactly what you think it is. It was this slow ladder of like, Oh, this kid, let's try him for five minutes and make sure he doesn't suck. And then like, Oh, okay. He, we like him. We'll have him in for the whole segment the next time he comes back to town. And then you kind of graduate up the ladder of like, Oh, Oh we, yeah. We want to make sure we get him when he comes back to town. And then eventually I, they used to do a thing. This is just a little bit of, I'll try to shorten this a little bit, but they used to do a thing with their sponsors where they would go to the Super Bowl, uh, they would go to the Bahamas to watch the Super Bowl and they would charter a plane and take all of their sponsors. It was this huge thing that they did once a year. And I they invited me to that one year. I kind of graduated up to that level. And a weird thing happened. I ended up I was working Indianapolis the following week. So it was like I was on the show. I was on the show. I did like a month prior. And then I was in the Bahamas with them doing jokes. And then I came back to the city that they that they were in. And I was doing jokes again. And I realized I had done all of my good jokes. There was no jokes from my act that were left to be done. And I used to write for a thing called the Complete Sheet, which is a morning prep service for radio stations. Okay. And I used to write topical jokes. So I, I sort of scrambled and I put together like my favorite 20 topical jokes, you know, which I wasn't doing in my act, but I had written them for radio. And I did a segment on their show called uh, topical sounding jokes. These are jokes that sound like they're from this week, but aren't. <laughs> and it was just an excuse to do like my favorite, you know, I uh, try to think of one. Um Pac-Man turned 35 this year. That's a long time to be chased by little demons. Just ask Robert Downey Jr. It was all those kind of jokes. Yes. <laughs> so whatever, the stars aligned and it killed on the show. And they they got like a rim shot sound effect. And we were going back and forth and they would read some news items. They go, you got any more of those topical sounding jokes? And I would do two or three. And it just like it lit up the room. And after the show, Tom Griswold grabs me and he goes, "Hey, you think you could do that every week?" And I go, "Yes, I can," which I totally couldn't, but I wasn't going to say no, right? And so then I they let me they gave me some space to kind of develop a segment and figure out what it was, and eventually it became the Econo Monologue. And I every week I would do a different subject that had bullet points. Anything that had bullet points, I was like, I could write several jokes about whatever it is. Yeah, I would do phobias or Halloween traditions, or every week was a different subject. And that slowly morphed into an all football all the time segment. And it became all pro lines, which in its current incarnation, I called him on Tuesday mornings and wrap up the weekend that was in the NFL.
0: That's so cool. And now all pro lines is the podcast you've created, right?
1: It's a podcast. It's uh, allprolines.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my plea to your listeners would be just follow us on whatever your favorite social media platform is. And the, in between some political news and some bad news and a picture of your aunt's food, there'll be a football joke. and It'll just be fun. So just come <laughs> join us in that. In that regard, and uh, eventually graduate to the podcast, and and you can and you can write jokes too. We'll do we'll fill in the blank jokes sometimes on the oh. uh, social media platforms, Ooh. and people love it. They jump in and you know they write jokes about whatever. It's it's been fun.
0: I like that. I saw that you went to Super Bowl fifty. How come you're not at every Super Bowl, Kastaki? You're an NFL joke guy.
1: I you know I've been to probably seven of the last ten. Oh, okay. I, I generally go and run around and do radio row, and that's awesome. You know, this year, I'm this year it's in town, so I'm definitely going to work on getting the credentials, and it'll be easy to do this year. And it's, and I'm looking forward to seeing that stadium. I keep hearing great things about it.
0: Yeah, and uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. No, right. uh, oh, at, in Atlanta, SoFi. Oh, I'm sorry. yes yeah, i right. you're in, in California now. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. SoFi yeah.
1: is a pretty, you know, a shortish drive from here.
0: Yeah, that's not bad. All right. So on your um. On your website, it says you've written, I think it's on your website. Maybe I took it off Wikipedia. I'm not sure. You've written jokes for Bet Midler, Jay Leno, MTV, and BET. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I got a job writing for BET. That was that was a grand adventure. That's the only time in my life I've ever been a clear minority in a situation that was day after day after day. Like you go to a concert or something and you look around and you're like, these, these people don't look like me. Yeah. Uh, but to be in a work environment where I was one of the only white people was really fascinating. <laughs> that was cool.
0: Yeah. And then do you, how many jokes did you write for Jay Leno? Do you remember what you wrote? Was it political? Probably political.
1: Um, topical. So, topical. you know, okay. those kind of shows, they definitely, when there's an election, they'll do jokes about the, the era I was doing. It was Ross Perot and, mm. you know, the first, you know, George W it's been a while. Uh, but most of the jokes on those kind of shows are Britney Spears did this, and it's it's yeah. that kind of pop culture news. Yeah, I, I I used to I was a faxer is what they called it, even though we were emailing at the time. In the old days, you would fax the jokes. So oh. they they still called us faxers. And uh, I would sit and write 15 jokes during the day and I would be in Nebraska telling jokes to 14 people, you know. Yeah. And I would send jokes to Jay Leno and he would occasionally do one to four million. And it was very exciting, you know. That's uh, a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, That's, I mean it but wasn't. That, that a lot probably of money. gave you
0: confidence. Like, hey, my jokes work. You just gotta. I stick can with hang.
1: I can hang with these big boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's cool.
0: Yeah. yeah. Do you miss? Um, did you ever do Trump jokes in your? A little bit
1: in the old days. I was. I was pretty political because I had gotten a degree, a master's degree in political science, and I was going to be an American government teacher. And I was fascinated. I worked on the Dukakis campaign. I was fascinated with politics. And and slowly over time, I got a little bit less interested and didn't have as much passion for it. And I was more interested in writing about me and what's happening with me and my wife and my kid. and, um, And then it got so divisive, just like, I don't think I've said Trump on stage and three or four years. Like I I was afraid to say
0: the word Trump on the podcast. I'm not right. I know. It's just, it's
1: crazy how divisive. I mean, there's just a sea of feelings that come up on both sides. So I just feel like it's on all the late night shows. It's on every social media platform. In the old days, when I was doing political jokes, I was part of the joy of it. It was like, I was the only one doing it in the places where I was. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of interesting and different. And now politics is so everywhere. Like, I just don't even touch it anymore. I'm doing football jokes and jokes about my kid. And those are so much more fun to me. And you're you're not losing half the crowd when you begin, you know?
0: (laughs) Right. You say one thing and yeah, half of them are uncomfortable or.
1: Well, the other choice you could do is sort of the Jay Leno model, which is hey, hey," and kind of hit both sides a tiny bit. Okay. That's just so vanilla. Like I don't find that interesting. Yeah. And if you do the more gritty, like this is how I really feel about the world you know, 40% of them are mad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So you stick to the NFL stuff, which is, which is funny in itself. And I bet you, okay. So I was on Twitter last night and I saw Schefter or somebody talk about uh, Gruden resigning. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Gruden resigned. I I retweeted it like 30 minutes later. I got back on Twitter because it's addicting and I was scrolling through and I was like, oh, this is why he's resigning. And And then I thought, Oh, man, I'm talking to NFL joke writer Kostaki Kanamopoulos tomorrow. He is going to have some John Gruden jokes, won't
1: he? Yeah, I don't yeah. have a choice. I have to have John yeah. Gruden jokes. So
0: Were you up thinking of John Gruden jokes last <laughs> I, night?
1: I was. I mean, normally an overtime uh, NFL Monday night game is a big story, but not this week. The story was it broke during the game. They talked about it in the game, but that's the story. I guess that next Caliendo impression of Gruden is going to be a doozy. I don't know. <laughs>
0: I was thinking of Caliendo. (laughs) Like after I was reading that, I'm like, ah, Frank Caliendo
1: must be pissed. Oh, that's right. It doesn't help him at all. That's for sure. What happens in Vegas, I guess, is contingent upon not being a jackass in emails now. That's (laughs) that's a cumbersome slogan. By the way, the pirate in the Raiders logo is more forward thinking than Gruden. And he's (laughs) wearing a leather helmet with both eyes closed. The Gruden news makes me pine for the thoughtful, progressive voice of Mike Ditka. (laughs)
0: there you go that's what we need more of
1: yes even even mel gibson was like dude (laughs) i i called gruden on the corona hotline he told me to go back where i came from that's not that's not really no (laughs) so so this is what i do i you know it's a it's a weird job but that's that's what I do I sit and work on those kind of jokes and try to polish them up enough before I mean that's what this is the panicky moment when I'm calling Bob and Tom and I'm you know I'm going to be heard by hundreds of thousands of people and I don't have a chance to run the jokes first you yeah. know like the story just broke late Monday night like
0: oh that makes me nervous so what was your what were your impressions of the NFL weekend my Vikings my Vikings won a game Kirk Cousins was very excited and Not only did you win
1: a game, you won a game with a kick. That's not very Vikings-like. No, not at all. Congratulations. Thank you. And the the Packers
0: kicker missed three in a row. Like This was like a a Vikings wet dream. (laughs) (laughs) I was watching that game in Takasaki, and it got comical to me. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I've never seen a game like this. (laughs) The other Vikings
1: news this weekend, I'm sure you saw this, the Zodiac Killer. They found the Zodiac killer and they think he was a Vikings fan. (laughs) So at least we know he got some punishment in life, you know, like give him credit for time served lifelong Vikings fans worth what? 10 years in prison. You tell me uh... (laughs) that's it makes sense. A Vikings fan, somebody obsessed with misery, who likes puzzles with no answers, you know, (laughs) Yes, yes. Here's how you know this guy was crazy. He lived in San Francisco during the Montana era, but rooted for the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> the Zodiac killer has a lot in common with the Vikings. He terrorized the community. He taunted the press and he never won a Super Bowl. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> oh, man, they're going to be <laughs> Super Bowl jokes, man. I, 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 as a Vikings fan, you get used to Super Bowl jokes because, you know, yeah. you, it just they bounce off you now.
1: I know I still, I still call Tom Bernard every week. You know him. He's a, he's a big Vikings fan from way back. He's, he's a big shot in Minneapolis radio yeah. and we always commiserate about our crummy teams. I, I, I talk Falcons. He talks Vikings. So we, <laughs> I I'm empathetic.
0: Have you seen so many missed kicks in the NFL? Like we did see in that Packers game. I mean, that was ridiculous. Yeah,
1: I, there was actually, I think they broke a record this weekend with, I'm not sure exactly how the stat breaks down, but missed extra points. Even, you know, like there were a po- lot of
0: the Monday night game could have been over for the Colts last night and they missed the field goal after getting a field goal right. blocked later or earlier. Right. I mean, in that quarter,
1: I know there There were so many ugly kicks this weekend. Kareem Hunt got a commission. Huh? <laughs> ugly kicks. All ugly right.
0: Kareem <laughs> Hunt. <laughs> is this My what brother- all pro lines is like, by the way?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it, in, in the social media universe, there's, is more visual stuff too, yeah, but that's yeah. what i that's been interesting to try to learn how to do that. Cause that's a different muscle. Like memes. Uh, in fact, yeah. Memes. In fact, just before I jumped on with you, I was, I posted a couple of Gruden memes. So come, come join the fun. Check out what we're doing. Everybody.
0: Got to go to Kostaki's account. What else caught your attention during the NFL weekend Kostaki?
1: Well, my brother was in, uh, was in London for the Falcons game. He's, oh. he's got a, a, a blood brother. This is an amazing story. Again, I'll try to shortcut it. But my brother had uh, leukemia and ended up getting a bone marrow transplant from a, from a German and he literally changed his blood. I don't know if you know how this works, but it's no. kind of astounding. Like my brother did a 30, 23 and me kind of thing, and all of his stuff is German now. Like it changes your blood. Wow. And now he knows the guy who was the donor, and they met in London and went to a Falcons game together. It
0: was super cool. That is so (laughs) cool. And I didn't know that it changes your blood, a a, bone, or
1: it changes your blood. And sometimes it even like you'll wind up with the allergy from the donor, or, you know, like there's some kind of kooky things that make you go, Wow. Um, It's really, it's amazing science. I mean, this, this yeah. kid's life was saved by science. And and the donor, I mean, I forget the numbers exactly, but there's like 13 million something, some giant number of people in the registry globally. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are Germans because of the, the social ethics of signing up to do good in the world. And uh, Andreas, my brother, matched two People out of the millions, it's really hard to find a good match for a for a for a donor. Yeah, and so this kid Jürgen, who is like a German version of my brother, he's got two kids and loves soccer and middle class. It's kind of weird how similar their lives are, but just in different worlds. Yeah, um, he went and and donated, and you know, it's kind of inconvenient for the donor, and he saved my brother's life. It's a great story.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That that is amazing. I wonder. I wonder how many people. You said Germany is one of the the countries that that kind of sign up the most people. I wonder where the USA ranks with trying to help others.
1: You know, I don't know the answer. I should. I should do a better job. I think they. My. I don't want to. I don't want to say it wrong because I might be wrong. I. I. I might. It might be true that they actually mandated it for a while. Oh, there's some there's some very strong ethic to do this sort of thing in Germany that we don't we don't have. Here. Hmm. So that's cool. Yeah. So my brother's German now. <laughs> so now
0: my brother's German. <laughs> I, 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 do you like the NFL, the London game? I always like kind of waking up and having football.
1: I like the idea of it. And I, and I love that the NFL is, is getting better at filling another block of time with one of these island games, because I think those are great for fans. <laughs> I mean, we, we love those. Um, but the games that we give England are the Halloween equivalent of giving out toothbrushes. It's poor yes. England, COVID Brexit now Falcons jets. Like that's what we're giving them. We spent a hundred years telling them soccer is boring. Then we send them Falcons jets.
0: <laughs> yes. Here you go. <laughs> Have fun with the Falcons and the jets. I don't, do you want an NFL team in London? Cause there's always been talk about that.
1: I would love that. I personally love that idea. Now, obviously, the logistics of having teams fly back and forth across the Atlantic Ocean every week is I see why that hasn't that hasn't happened yet. But just from a selfish point of view, I think these international games are great. I think they spread the brand. Um, I was just reading. In fact, today is a day. The NFL is committed to uh, multiple games a year in England and a Mexico game every year. And today the NFL is announcing three finalist cities for a game in Germany. Um, And I say the more Jets games we can move overseas, the better. That's one of (laughs) those instances where you get broad support for exporting American jobs. Like, yeah, go ahead, Jets.
0: (laughs) Overseas, go over to Germany. Okay, so uh, are you back on the road touring? Are you? When is that you are?
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not doing as much as I would in a non-COVID era, but I'm eking back in there. I'm going in Wisconsin. I'm doing Wisconsin soon, actually. I should plug those dates. Um, It's
0: November, isn't it?
1: I don't have them in front of me, but it's early November and it's Wisconsin Rapids and Weston. Those dates are great. I've really uh, I've done
0: November 5th 5th in Weston and november 6th in wisconsin rapids
1: that's right and i'm actually doing uh minneapolis the day before that for the 30 year anniversary of acme comedy company oh cool i'm going back they're doing a super cool celebration every they're doing five shows every show is completely different and each one has four big shot headliners on them including jake johansson who's one of my you know, heroes from always, and I know Jake. He actually lives down the road from me here in in Venice. We go have lunch once in a while. That's oh. one of the cool things about stand up. You kind of, yeah, you can kind of grow up and hang with some of your heroes. You know, yeah,
0: That's emo. Cool.
1: I, I know emo. We we have lunch once in a while.
0: Oh, okay. Do you
1: remember emo Phillips? He's one of he's
0: one of the great joke writers of all time. Oh, okay. How um, when are you coming to Madison? Have you been to Madison?
1: I have, but it's been a long time. There's, there's a great club there in town, uh, comedy, comedy
0: club on State Street. On
1: State, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. great. And Madison's great. I mean, it's one of the, it's one of the great, one of the great cities. I think it's, if, it's the Austin, it's the Athens, it's you know, it's yeah. the, it's it's that of Wisconsin. I love those kind of cities always. And if, and if, if,
0: you if you did college football jokes, if you did college, do you do college football jokes? Because the Badgers would be a goldmine right now.
1: Almost never, but. Okay, Man, I got to tell you that that first game back when they showed the crowd in Madison, that gave me chills, man. That was beautiful. I mean, part of me is the dad thing of like, no, you can't have this many people together in one tiny place. But the other part of me was like, yes, these kids are back to enjoy their lives. It was so cool.
0: The first jump around after. The jump
1: around, man. I've watched yeah. that video probably 20 times. And the other one I loved was the Blacksburg one. The uh, Virginia Tech Hokies do mm-hmm. enter Sandman. Yeah. You see all these kids bouncing up. And oh, man, it was cool to see. I'm
0: getting chills thinking about it right now.
1: I know, right? It's yeah. just after a year and a half of hiding from each other, I totally understand this sort of. The explosion of of joy and humanity, especially amongst the youth who, you know, when you're 21, it's gotta be hard to just hide from the world for a long time, you know.
0: Oh, I, yeah, and I don't know how many actually did.
1: Right. You know that's I mean? right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sure some of them did, but others are like, Yeah, I'll stay home, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, but why doesn't the NFL have any cool? I mean, I guess they do probably have some cool traditions, but it seems like college football has. I mean, uh, Packers have a Lambo leap, but that's not like a jump around. Does the NFL have cool traditions like college football? I can't think of any off the top of I my head. I can't
1: think of one like that. That's sort of that you know, that give you the chills of the, of the music and people like, you know, there's the, some cool traditions that the 12th man and the, yeah. yeah. The Lambo leap is a bunch of that kind of thing, you know, yeah. The Vikings uh, blow
0: that big horn before every game. I forgot yeah. the name of it.
1: Yeah. Right. And the, the Bucks have the, the, the pirate ship has the cannons fire when there's a touchdown. There's yeah. a bunch of those kind of things. Th- th- those are all cool. You know, that, that, that's part of the,
0: the scene. By the way, Brady is, I, I never, I think a lot of people are sick of Tom Brady and have been for a long time, including myself. <laughs> me too. But it got to a point for me when when they won the Super Bowl, I was rooting for him. I'm like, screw it. If I'm going to be able to watch the greatest quarterback who's ever played in the National Football League, pile it on, get seven, get eight, get nine, get ten, push all <laughs> the records past anything anyone has ever thought is possible. Play till you're 60. Like, let's just yeah. let's enjoy this thing. I'm, I'm at that point with Brady and I'm like, good, go get it. Go win.
1: Well, because he didn't move to your division like he did for <laughs> us down here and uh, yeah <laughs> I hear you and, he, and he's and he got more likable I think he's more playful now than he used to be and he's separated from Belichick and, and he's got this extra bounce in his step and he's genuinely funny on Instagram and I just, I'm done with it. I want it to be over. Like, no, I want somebody else to win. But I, I have, I've always been kind of an underdog guy anyway. So the guy who keeps winning is like, all right, it's, 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 stop it already.
0: Yeah. I guess I was kind of that way with LeBron. I'm like, thank God LeBron's out. He's not going to be competing <laughs> for a championship. I'm like good. Somebody else. And by the way, the Bucks won the championship. That was amazing. I don't know if you watched any of that. Giannis was like, I don't even know how to explain what Giannis did. He scored 50 points in a closeout game. I've never seen that. That was amazing. Yeah.
1: I'm not a basketball guy, but I did watch a little bit of that. And, I was, and his interviews are fascinating to me because his accent, he sounds like some of my Greek cousins. Yeah. And it, does, it doesn't land that comes out of that body and face you know this giant black dude with a greek accent it's such a funny combination of things i
0: was (laughs) i was thinking because your your full name you're kastaki but your your name is what is your first name
1: it's Konstantinos. and uh, i got two middle names so i've got Konstantinos christos vasilis economopolis is my birth name my given name
0: imagine having to learn that as a kid like writing that down was that tough
1: Oh, yeah. And they actually, this is a true story. Georgia Public Schools, uh, at the beginning of first grade, they tape your name on your desk. And I went home to show my parents later that week, and they taught me wrong. They they put the U in the wrong place in Economopolis. Uh, (laughs) Also, true story, New York City Public Schools, 40 years later, I go in for my kids' first day of uh, first grade, and her name was taped on her desk and it was spelled wrong. I'm like, we're not doing this again. We're breaking this tradition right here. <laughs>
0: who, who has the longer name? Giannis Antetokounmpo or Kastakia Kamana. I was going to count the letters. I should have done that.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, he's, you know, it's funny. He's called the Greek freak and he's got a crazy long name, but that is not a Greek name. That's a Nigerian name, I believe.
0: Right. It's, it's, but it's been Greekified. Because, yeah that's right that's right because the original name was like a or a kumpo was a d something something <laughs> and now it's on right and
1: they and they gave all the kids greek first names so it's that they have the they have the funniest sort of like background it's uh it's a it's the strangest combination
0: yeah all right kostaki I think uh, I should remind people that you are once again in the state of Wisconsin. If you're listening to this in Wisconsin, Weston on November 5th, Wisconsin Rapids on the 6th, but you can check out Kostaki.com uh, kastaki Economopolis for all the tour dates. Cause Kastaki's back on the road. Did you ever do any zoom stuff like zoom comedy when
1: a little bit I had, how, I did how'd a, that work out. I did a couple corporates and I, I had a couple of like tent pole moments in the, in the year where I was doing a big nowhere comedy club. Yeah, you know, that's the big Zoom one. Oh, okay. Uh and, and it helped me write and stay focused and yeah. get ready and have like a deadline. And it was really good for me. I I did a few and they were, you know, they're not a great, it's not it's not great for stand up, but it was good enough that it helped me do the writing so that when the world reopened, I was ready, you know?
0: Yeah. All I
1: right. I used them to do homework.
0: Yes. You were doing homework during the pandemic. Yeah. That's I guess. right. All right, Kostaki. Well, I, I love your stuff. I love your NFL jokes. Um, I, I have a CD of yours that you provided to our radio station a few years ago, and I'll, I'll pop that in every once in a while. And I think I think it's hilarious. Oh, I think thanks, it's, man. That's it's nice. Really, really funny. And uh, you can check out Kostaki, Kostaki Follow him on all social media, Instagram, Twitter, and also the All Pro Lines podcast. I'm assuming that's wherever you listen to your podcasts
1: well said that's correct yeah come join us it's it's football it's the lighter side of football we do once a week uh and for our hardcores who uh jump on with us in patreon and get inside the huddle we do twice a week so come join Ooh. us whatever level you like
0: Ooh, i might steal that idea thanks
1: Kostaki. Yeah. thanks man